0: This morning we invite you to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. We'll be reading the first five verses for your hearing this morning. Our focus will be primarily on the first two verses uh, for our service this morning. Isaiah chapter 40 reading verses 1 through 5. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And the Lord had his blessing to the reading of these verses. Last week, we studied from the book of Isaiah, and we studied in the first chapter of Isaiah. This morning, our study is in Isaiah chapter 40, which is the second uh, or the the second part of Isaiah, we might say. Uh, Isaiah is broken up into two parts, verses which are chapters 1 through 39, and then chapters 40 through 66. The book of Isaiah, it is similar to the Bible as a whole. And what we mean by this is just as the Bible has 66 books, Isaiah has 66 chapters. As our Bible is divided up into two divisions, the Old Testament and the New Testament, Isaiah is also broken up into two parts our Bible is broken up into that of 39 books for the Old Testament and 27 for the New. Likewise, Isaiah is broken up by chapters, 39 chapters, and that of 27 chapters. As we think of the Holy Scriptures, we know the Old Testament has to do with the law. It has to do with that of the consequences of breaking the law. Likewise, as we think of the book of Isaiah, the first 39 chapters are basically the same. In those 39 chapters, we have... Uh, the rebellion of Jerusalem against the Lord and their breaking of that of His law. In the New Testament, the focus is upon salvation, that of deliverance through a deliverer. And as we consider that of Isaiah, chapters 40 through the end of the book, chapter 66 we have the very same uh, similar uh, ideals that are set forth that of salvation that of uh, a savior well that was rather interesting I found that in a book by J. Sigmund Baxter Explore uh, the book so that kind of gives you a little bit of an outline or an overview of the book of Isaiah, comparing it uh, to uh, the Bible. Last week in our study, we considered chapter one, and we focused in upon that of verse one. Once again, we're going to focus in on it again uh, for those who are perhaps not here, uh, and it again sets the focus uh, for us, uh, giving us additional information about the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Joseph, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Isaiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom. And that's made very clear here uh, in this first verse of uh, the book. You'll notice it says, "...the vision of Isaiah the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem." Uh, Judah being basically the southern kingdom uh, of Israel and Jerusalem being uh, the capital. Now, uh, as we read this verse, we learn some things about the book. Uh, the nature of the book, it is that of a vision. The vision of Isaiah. And I would just stop here and just say that it's very important that we uh, keep this in mind as we consider it basically that of the whole book. Uh, the whole book uh, we have that of Isaiah the prophet and uh, to him is being given various visions. The audience our text our chapter 1 verse 1 tells us that it's the inhabitants of Judah and uh, Jerusalem. Uh, the author of course Isaiah the son of Amos. Uh, and then the date of the proclamation in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So basically what we're being told here uh, with regards to the date of the proclamation is, is that the, this, these visions were given uh, and they were proclaimed uh, during that of the time of these kings. prophecy primarily has to do with that of the southern kingdom. And it's rebellion against the Lord. And the consequence of their rebellion. If you just look there in Isaiah chapter 1, we're not going to take a whole lot of time uh, on this because we covered it last Sunday. What you note in verse 2, it says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought, the children, brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the ass his master's crib. But Israel does not know, my people does not consider. Ah, oh, sinful nation of people, laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Here in these verses, we see uh, that the book begins immediately with that of a courtroom-like type picture and the Charges are set forth by the Lord Himself against that of Judah and Jerusalem. And the consequences, they're very great. They're very great. Now having said those things, The date of the proclamation being in the days of Uzziah, Joseph, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Again, I would emphasize the importance of us keeping in mind that the book in its entirety is made up of visions. Now, chapters 1 through 39 the primary focus is upon that of the Lord's controversy with Judah, the southern kingdom, and in these chapters we also have not only that of Judah and Jerusalem, which was the capital of the city, or uh, was the capital city of Judah, but we also have that of other nations that were upon the scene at the time. They were on the scene and there was some relationship that they had with regards to Judah. Now, that's basically in a nutshell what we have in chapters 1 through 39. However, as we come to the very last chapter of that first book, we would point out to you that in that very last chapter, there is a prophecy that is given by Isaiah with regards to Judah, and it has to do with their captivity. Let's turn there, Isaiah chapter 39. We're going to read verses 5 through 8 of the chapter. Isaiah chapter 39, verses 5 through 8. It says, Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah. And we're going to stop there. Remember what we read over in Isaiah chapter 1 about the kings. It says, In the days of Uzziah, Joseph, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. You'll note there that Hezekiah is the last king in that group of kings that Isaiah speaks of and the time period that he speaks in. So going back to Isaiah 39, verse number 5, it says, Then then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, "moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. Now there are several things that we want to draw your attention to that are important here. And number one is, is that Isaiah here, he is prophesying about that of the future. that of something that's going to take place after Hezekiah has passed off the scene. And in reality, after Isaiah has basically passed off the scene. It is the captivity of Judah, the southern kingdom. He speaks of that of Zedekiah's descendants and how that they will be carried off to Babylon. And nothing shall be left. In other words, Isaiah here is prophesying to that of Hezekiah that his descendants that they will be taken captive. There will be that of destruction. Destruction to uh, that of Judah, uh, as that of the Southern kingdom, the city of Jerusalem will be destroyed, the temple will be destroyed, everything will be leveled. Now that's the end of the first section of Isaiah, or we might could call it the first book of Isaiah. I hesitate about doing. That very thing is because of the fact that there are those who believe that there are two books and that they have two different authors. Let me say to you, I don't believe that there are two different authors. If you want to look at chapters 1 through 39 being the first book and chapter 40 through 66 being the second book, that's fine. Because they are different in, in, in many ways But if you want to just consider them as that of two halves of the book, make up the whole. That's all right too. But at the end of the first section or the first book, however you want uh, to uh, state it, we have the captivity of Judah, the southern kingdom, prophesied of. As we come into the next section, which is. of course, where our text is this morning. It is somewhat different from that of the first section of the book. It is a prophecy or prophecies and it has to do with regards to the Jews, in captivity, in exile. But it also has some other visions which speak of the Messiah, the Anointed One, His coming. And so we would say to you, That the second half of Isaiah. It deals with those who are in exile. Even though Isaiah is prophesying prior to this. It, it, It deals with those who are in exile. And the promise of the Messiah. And deliverance by the Messiah. Now... The Messiah, the Anointed One. We know who this is speaking of. It's speaking of none other than that of Jesus Christ. There is a Messiah or a Deliverer who is spoken of in this second division of the book of Isaiah. That is one who is a king who gives deliverance to the captives that they might go back to the land but of course Jesus Christ is pictured here in this second section as being of course the ultimate deliverer now this morning our focus Given the background that I've given to you. We want to consider that of the first two verses of Isaiah 40. And I've titled the message from that of the first verse. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. Let's read the first two verses again uh, together. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. As we begin our study here in Isaiah 40 and these first two verses, we would begin by asking some questions of the text. First of all, who is the speaker? Who is the speaker? If we look at our text, it says, Comfort ye, comfort ye, ye my people, saith your God. We have the answer there in the very beginning of verse number 1 at the end of it. Saith your God. Saith your God. Now, the word for God here in the Hebrew is that of Elohim. The one who is spoken of In the very beginning of the Holy Scriptures. Where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning God, or Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. So, this one who is speaking here in our text. He is the one who created the heavens and the earth. We can also say that He's the one who spoke them into existence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He called the heavens into existence and they appeared. You go on further down there in Genesis chapter 1, He said, says, God said, Let there be light. And there was light light the one who is before us here is the eternal almighty sovereign God eternal when you think of Genesis 1-1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth as we've said time and time again, and we'll say it again, Moses, who is the author of Genesis, he doesn't begin by trying to explain uh, God and where He came from. There is no explanation given there in Genesis 1 where God came from. Because God always has been. God is eternal. Elohim is eternal. And He is the Almighty which is demonstrated there in Genesis chapter 1. As you consider and look at the creation, that week of creation, the bringing into existence the heavens and the earth, the animals, the moon and the stars. And then, man God said let let us make man in our image after our likeness let us ah there's something there in those words those words they may not in detail tell us of the Trinity but in seed. The idea of the Trinity is there. Let us. There's more than one there. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. This same one, beloved, who spoke those words is the same one here in that of our text. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God or Elohim. But there's something else that we would like to draw your attention to here uh, with regards to this one who is being spoken of here. You know he's spoken of as your God. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people saith your God. What we have here is none other than that of covenant language. And what we mean by this is as we think of the covenant, those promises that God made with His people. Ye shall be My people and I shall be your God. So here in our text, we have covenant language. We have that of a covenant relationship that is being spoken of here. And that covenant relationship is between Elohim or God here in our text and those who are spoken of here as my people. Comfort ye, comfort ye. My people saith your God. So, who is being spoken of? We've answered that somewhat. Who is being spoken to? Now, this is a little bit more involved, I would say. For as we think of the nature of the book which is before us, Isaiah, he's a prophet. He's prophesying. He's prophesying the visions that are being given unto him. He is speaking the words that are given to him by the Lord himself. So first of all, we would say to you that as we consider our text it's a little bit more involved again, we would say as to who is being spoken to. Isaiah undoubtedly is one who is being spoken to here. For he's the prophet. But as we think on down the out of, of time, out of history, the years that are going to pass until Judah or the southern kingdom goes into captivity, there's some time that's going to elapse. But Isaiah, he prophesies during the period of those kings that are mentioned there in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. So, we have Isaiah the prophet, but we could also, I think, say that not only is this given to Isaiah the prophet to prophesy, to speak forth, but as we think of those prophets that are going to come after him, and especially the prophets who are in Babylon, where Judah is going to be in captivity. You say, well, Brother Steve, what prophet are you talking, prophets are you talking about? One in particular I think of is Daniel. Daniel was a prophet, and he was also one who was a captive in Babylon. So I'm sure, I'm sure that Daniel and the captives, they knew about Isaiah and the message that was given here in their day. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Isaiah definitely is one who is being spoken to and the prophets, of course, down later on in time. The message, as we think about the message, it is a message for my people. The Lord tells us here. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people saith your God. The words comfort found there in verse number 1. Word comfort is used twice. In the Hebrew it is an imperative. And in the Hebrew I understand there is an intensive. In other words, the Hebrew language provides for an intensive imperative. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. The ideal here is, is that of emphasis. And what we have here in these two words is a command that is being given. A command to that of Isaiah. A command to that of the prophets that will come later on in the history of Judah as they're in captivity. The command being to comfort Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God or Elohim. The word comfort here has a meaning to alleviate sorrow or distress, to encourage, to console. And so Isaiah and the prophets that would come, they're being called upon to console those who are spoken of here in our text as the Lord's people, my people. To console, to encourage, to alleviate their sorrow, that of their distress. Now what distress is it that they are under? Well, if we look down in verse number two, and we need to keep in mind, again, I would emphasize that Isaiah is prophesying here and he's prophesying with regards to the future. He's prophesying with regards to those who will be in Babylon of that of Judah, the captives. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God, speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Note how verse 2 is written here. How is phrased? Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. That statement there in particular, your warfare is accomplished. Your iniquity is pardoned. For she has received, that is speaking of Judah, Jerusalem, the Lord's hand double for all her sin. The message is a message of comfort here. It's for those who have experienced that of warfare. You'll notice it says her warfare is accomplished. Who have sinned against the Lord. Your iniquity is pardoned and who has received double for all her sins. In other words, they've received the chastening hand of the Lord. So, the message is a message that is given to be given to that of the people of God here. Those who are the true Israel of God In that of Babylon in captivity is a message of comfort or encouragement. Now, one writer or one speaker that I listened to, as he spoke of that of verse 2, he says, Speak, where it says, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. He brings out that the word comfort me here has the idea of that of the heart. And if you look it up in the Hebrew lexicon, it does have the idea of of that of the heart. So the idea here is, is that of speaking to them heart to heart, so to speak. That of words of comfort that of consolation, to relieve that of their distress. And we're not going to get there this morning, but as you go on further into Isaiah chapter 40, The remaining part of, uh, of Isaiah 40 is a message of hope. A message of hope. The prophet Isaiah here, he prophesies, and as he prophesies, it is a message of hope. A message that the Lord has not forgotten. The Lord has not forgotten you. You may have forgotten me, Judah. You may have forsaken me, Judah. You may have rebelled against me, Judah. But I haven't forgotten you. And neither have I forgotten that of the covenant that I made with you. That promise or promises that I made with you, my people. But as we think of this message here, oh how that we as God's people today, we can take that to heart. Or the same one who speaks to that of Judah here in our passage is the same God, beloved, whom we serve, who has delivered us, who has saved us. And beloved, just as He did not forgive that of His people in that day, He will not forget His people in our day. We who are His people. Even though we forsake Him, beloved, He will not forsake us. He'll not forget us. No. We. We are His jewels. We are His choice ones. His loved ones. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God, speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her. The idea here in that statement, cry unto her, is that of that of one who would be crying out with that of intensity. That's how Isaiah, or the Lord tells Isaiah that this message is to go forth. It's to go forth with that of intensity. That, that of this message of comfort. Cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Or that of her difficulty. That of her affliction. Is accomplished or completed. That her iniquity is pardoned. Her iniquity is pardoned. Or in other words. It's been taken care of. For she has received the word hand double for all her sins. Now we want to nip something in the bud immediately here before it would go anywhere. The message here that she has received of the Lord's double for all her sins has nothing to do with that of the pay, payment for her sins. Has nothing to do with the payment of her sins. No, it has to do with that of God's chastening hand upon her out of Judah. Her iniquity has been pardoned. Or we could put it another way. Thy sins are forgiven. Thy sins are forgiven. Comfort ye, comfort ye. My people saith the Lord. Cry out unto her. Speak comfortably unto her and cry out unto her that her warfare is accomplished. That of her difficulty, that of the difficulty because of her rebellion against God. Her welfare is accomplished or completed. That her iniquity is pardoned, paid for. For she has received of the Lord double for all her sins. All oh, beloved. How glorious is the message? What we have here, beloved, is none other than that of the gospel. The good news. The good news that is found in that of the Old Testament. The good news that was given to that of Judah. Whereas she had rebelled, her sin had been taken care of, and that she was forgiven. Oh, yeah. Thus Heisman came upon her. She had great difficulty because of her sins. Beloved, the glorious message was that was her sin had been taken care of. And beloved, that sin being taken care of by none other than that Lord Himself. Which Isaiah is going to prophesy of over in Isaiah chapter 53. We would close this morning by saying to you God, whom Isaiah speaks of here, is the eternal God. He is powerful, He is the Almighty, and He is the sovereign. There's none above him. He is our creator, our maker, and we will stand before him one day. The question is, is how will it be? How will it be? Will it be thy sins are forgiven? Or will it be the opposite? Depart from me. For the one who is repentant, just like Judah old, who is repentant and trusting in the Lord they find forgiveness. They find comfort. Well, is really the only comfort for that of us? The only true comfort is in knowing that Jesus is our Savior. That He paid for our sins and that our sins Our forgiveness, that we are His. Do you know this to be true of yourself this morning? All right, on the back of the bulletin we have an old hymn. I'm sure you'll recognize it. No, never alone. And we'll sing the first hymn. What a
1: and uh, in my uh, holy scriptures, for we are so grateful uh, for the good news we have received that we've heard of all that Christ has done for us. Father, we pray that you would bless your word to each of our hearts. Uh, may uh, we worship thee and uh, praise thy holy name. May we live to thy honor and glory. Uh, Father, as we part, may we go with thy blessing. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. May the word bless